Broadcasting from beautiful, tropical Vero Beach, Florida, it's Money Nation with Ed Gardner. Good morning, and welcome to Money Nation. Today we've got Joe Cunningham from Worldview Capital on the line. Joe, welcome with Money Nation. Thanks, Ed. Great to be here. We had Joe on a couple months ago, and uh, if anyone wants to go back and listen to Joe's original interview, you can always feel free to go to YouTube and search Money Nation channel or Money Nation Ed Gardner, and all the old shows will come up, and you can hear in full about Joe Cunningham and Worldview Capital. But we got Joe on again today. Joe, what's happening in the world today? Well, uh, I'm going to start with a, a word of caution. And... Um, you know, we've got Memorial Day is behind us, and, and 4th of July is fast approaching. Uh, the issue is fireworks. Fireworks getting from China to the U.S. has become a real bottleneck. So I would just like to encourage all your listeners that if they want to have fireworks for the 4th of July, to uh, to go out and get them now. Uh, so, and that, that it really, it, it's just a... Um, a nice little way of illustrating a macro theme, which is uh, it's taking now uh, about three weeks to get containers through the port systems in the United States. And that is historically at its longest point ever. Uh, in addition, freight for a container, you, you fill it in China or wherever you're filling it, and you ship it over. Those prices have gone from about $4,000 to between ten dollars and $12,000. So there's a shortage of containers on the Pacific side. And uh, meanwhile, the demand is coming into the U.S. at record paces. Um, South Korea just in May had its biggest export year ever, uh, which is saying something when you, when you think of the juggernaut uh, uh, that South Korea is. Now, I bought a new television in May, a Samsung. So I, I did contribute to that. But it is uh, at record levels as the U.S. consumer is doing what the U.S. consumer does best, shopping, spending. That's for sure. Yeah, if we stay on that pace, uh, we could find our own GDP growth trending up, and I think that is probably the reason uh, that the OECD, the Paris-based Organization of Economic Development and Cooperation, they raised their global growth estimates from uh, 4.2% to uh, 5.2%. No, 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 4.2% to 5.8% for 2021. That's a big jump. So we're getting COVID, you know, behind us. U.S. consumers are showing up uh, in size. And, it's, you know, it's creating some bottlenecks, but it's also uh, presenting some opportunities, especially for investors. How has the, the GDP grown so much in the last 10, 15 years? I think maybe 10, 15 years ago, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, the GDP was like four to five trillion. It's twenty-one trillion now, and we've got debt of about twenty-eight trillion. What's how's that? How's that happened? Yeah, so you know, a lot of it has been easy money. You know, since two thousand eight and the uh, quantitative quantitative easing, right? Uh, we rolled that into quanti- uh, QE one, QE two, the quantitative easing that the Fed was implementing, uh, and then uh, you know, we we just kept printing money. So the inflation rate has been low because of the supply chain efficiencies uh, that are coming mainly out of Asia, but South America as well. Uh, and the economy has grown at a pretty good clip consistently for three, five, 3.5%, 4% a year. Um, 
there doesn't much change. Uh, it, you know, we saw a little bit of a uh, increase in growth in, when Trump, uh, the year he cut taxes, that was a bit of a pop. But other than that, it's been remarkably consistent. So it, it's just growing on its own, uh, uh, on its own pace, and I, I don't see anything stopping it. Um, you know, we'll see some eye-popping numbers coming out year-on-year uh, uh, year comparisons because last year was so bad. So this year is going to be so good, and you'll see, you know, kind of stupid numbers, right? They're they're just out of, you know, they're they're not consistent with um, uh, any growth uh, trend, and you, you kind of saw that with the inflation number last month. If you remember, um, inflation was up four percent, and everybody freaked out. Well, it was, it was up four percent from uh, the year before when it was down three percent because it was more deflationary during during COVID. So, it, you know, there wasn't much of a panic, and if you remember. Uh, we spoke about the um, uh, how we look at the uh, the TIBs, uh, the the five-year um, inflation-protected treasuries, and, and they're they're about where they were the last time we spoke, Ed. So you know, I'm not not Thanks, too concerned Daddy. about. Yeah, pretty steady. You know, ticks up a little bit, ticks down a little bit. Everything is you know just kind of on that flat plane that we'd like to see. So um, you know, I'm generally I hope your investors are, but I, I'm generally feeling pretty good about where things are. Uh, globally, and it, you know in the U.S. Uh, so you know, the truth is, I don't really work very hard, except for the last day of the year and the first day, of, or the last day of the month and the first day of the next month, right? So that's today. That's so, a good way to do uh, it. It's a good way to do it. Well, Jeff. you know, you know, we rebalance our portfolio on a monthly basis, and so we've got to see what's going on and, and how it's a little bit early. And I took yesterday off like the rest of the uh, America. And, so we're just kind of trying to uh, wade through the numbers right now. But, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. is still pulling the rest of the world uh, behind it, which is uh, uh, which is right where we want to be, really. We're, we're leading the world. The market is up over 25 percent since the election. So, you know, the uh, the, the, the calls that, you know, the, your 4K was going to crap out if Biden got elected just has not been true. So, uh, but again, we're in that too much money chasing too few stocks scenario, and you know PEs are up. And um, my not not to disparage any stock, but my wife bought something on May, uh, Wayfair this weekend, and I said to her, "Oh, they're on my short list. You know, stocks too short." And uh, but I didn't really look at it. I, I looked at it, and you know, it's at a PE of sixty-five, and it has performed okay. You know, if I had shorted it when I had the idea to short it. I would have lost, you know, just, just kind of going sideways. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, things are looking good. What about the debt? You know, we did the, we did the $6 billion package, took the total debt, U.S. debt, from like $21 trillion to like $27 trillion. Yeah. Is that worrisome to you? So, are they just going to keep going uh, to 30 40 and $50 trillion in debt? How do we pay that off? Here's, uh, well, they're going to raise taxes. That's how we're going to pay it off. And they're going to become much more efficient. So there's a couple of points there. Uh, one is that uh, tax rates will go up on high high income earners, right? So that's you, Ed, and I'm not really there, but uh, you and your clients are, are are going to pay for some of that. And corporate rates are going to be uh, normalized, consistent across the globe, right? So one of the things that's happening that's an interesting trend is this global minimum tax rate. Now I will take you back to the 1920s when uh, we had uh, what we call a beggar thy neighbor theory 
right, which is every country was racing to devalue their currency. And that was really a great cause of the, um, uh, the Depression, right, was its country. Each country, Germany would devalue, and uh, the U.S. tried to keep uh, it steady with the dollar tied to gold, but then the U.K. would devalue, and all these countries devalued, and that re- led to a depression, which led to a war. So what we see now is not the currency devaluations. We see the tax rate devaluations, right? So these countries, and especially the Caymans and Ireland and, um, and Jersey and some of these countries, they, they keep minimal taxes. And so the U.S. has proposed, with the OECD again, uh, a regime where uh, they will police these countries' tax rates. And they'll have some uh, type of uh, tariff or some type of barrier for companies that are racing into these jurisdictions to pay no taxes. So they're going to be very efficient at, at collecting taxes. Biden says he's going to put $80 billion into the IRS. Um, I don't know what that buys you. It sounds like an awful lot of money, though, on tax collection. But to your point on the GDP, uh, the debt to GDP, yeah, that's a tricky one. And I want to caution your listeners that that is a much manipulated and often used uh, for political purposes uh, because you can manipulate it. So what is debt? It, you know, is it all the contractual obligations of the U.S. federal government or is it the state governments as well? Is it household debt? You know, how you define that is, is pretty tricky. So your, your number is a little higher than ours, but, it, it, you know, that would be a, a function of the definition. And politicians will use that definition to their advantage, whatever's convenient for them. But uh, it, it is going to get bigger. Um, the, I would say, just generally speaking, and we look at everything on a relative basis, uh, the U.S. has been underinvesting in a lot of areas. So we're playing a little catch-up. Um, Eventually, that pendulum will swing back and taxes will come down and spending will uh, decrease. So I'm not too concerned on it right now. I'd like to see some spending on infrastructure if that's where it goes. I'd like to see, um, you know, the U.S. taking a a little bit more leadership role in the world economy, which, you you know, we seem to be doing. Um, So I'm not, not... overly concerned with it until it becomes an issue. So how would you know it's an issue? So inflation would be one, but I, I, there's two types of inflation. I, I, I think this is interesting. There's a bond market inflation, right? So the bond market one day is going to sell off and yields are going to spike up. And, it, you know, so right now the 10 years at 1.64%, right? So, if um, and, and markets like, you know, traders like a little volatility. You know that. As you're a trader, it's, sometimes it's not a bad thing. So there will be a headline number or something. It could be an oil-related. It could be geopolitical. It could be a lot of things. And we will see a spike in interest rates. And that might not translate into the real economy, right? That, that's a bond market inflation indicator right so the bond markets can spook the regular markets and as as rates go up and let's say it's geopolitical or it's an oil shock or something like that then uh the market will will tank and you know it'll be blood on the streets and maybe it's a good uh good opportunity as rothschild says uh to buy um so it's uh (laughs) you know i wouldn't i'm not overly concerned right now with, with any of that and i think it's a really interesting time globally uh for investors and for um um, you know, consumers alike, as we start to see a, 
surge in demand and um, uh, a fairly placid inflation uh, environment. What about what about people that think the only way to get rid of twenty twenty trillion dollars in debt is to devalue the dollar? If you devalue the dollar by twenty percent, you have twenty percent less debt. If you devalue the dollar by fifty percent, you wouldn't have twenty trillion in debt. You'd have ten trillion in debt. What do you yeah. think about well, that type of thinking? People don't want to hear that. They don't want to see their four hundred one k's, IRAs, and everything else dollar denominated go down half fifty percent. You think the government would ever try to do that quietly, and that would be one way to get rid of debt. What do you think about that? Well, that would be um, the worst way to get rid of it, um, for sure. But I'm not saying that we're not doing that. So as you and I have discussed before, I follow the dollar index very closely. And so what I'm starting to see when I look at it over the last year is what I call a bipolar world right, where the, you're seeing an appreciation in the yuan, the Chinese yuan, right? It's up about 10% over the last year. And we've seen about a 10% depreciation in the dollar, okay? So our biggest holder of dollars is China. Uh, so they're kind of taking it on, on the chin here. As the dollar, or actually the dollar index broke through the 90 handle, maybe just last week or the week before, uh, it's in the 89 range now. It had been during most of the Trump administration up in the upper 90s. and was an issue for me when we were trading uh, gold, mainly, uh, down in, in South America. And now it's come down. It's below 90. At the same time, the yuan is up at uh, like 635 levels. So it's appreciating. Um, the dollar's depreciating. And I just wonder if... So this is kind of an interesting time for geopolitical um, geeks like me, because if the if the yuan continues or stabilizes, and China's taking a number of uh, very interesting steps to address their internal um, deficiencies and with debt and state-owned enterprises and, and things like that, um, we might see a shift out of dollars uh, with the ASEAN countries in particular. They're the Southeast Asian, the former Tigers, Singapore, Malaysia. Uh, uh, Thailand, um, Myanmar's in there, um, uh, South Korea, you know, they're all, they're all, all those countries there might start to shift to more of a Chinese yuan, um, currency, uh, basis. And that would be, uh, profound. So the U.S. wants to be careful how it does depreciate. And again, as I mentioned before, that, that beggar thy neighbor theory comes in here where you're racing to the bottom. And it's beggar thy neighbor because you're taking from your neighbor, basically, to satisfy your own internal dynamics. So it, uh, I don't think we'll see anything dramatic, but, you know, we could continue to see a slow drift here in the value of the dollar. Joe, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, remember, sure. clients, remember listeners out there, any questions at all about your portfolio, always feel free to give me a call. You can email me at ed. Gardner at CutterCo.com, and you can always feel free to give me a call at 518-255-8854. We'll be right back with Money Nation. All opinions expressed by Ed Gardner and or his guests on the Money Nation show are solely Ed Gardner's and or his guests' opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Cutter & Company or any of their affiliates. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Ed Gardner and or guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy. 
but only in as an expression of their opinion. Ed Gardner's and his guests' opinions are based on information he considers reliable, but neither Cutter and Company nor affiliates and or subsidies warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. Always talk to your financial advisor before making such decisions. Welcome back to Money Nation. We've got Joe Cunningham from Worldview Capital here. Joe, let's talk about inflation a little bit. You know, I saw articles about the prices of, of people sourcing chicken, meat, kind of skyrocketing. By the way, uh, a future guest the next week or two, we're going to have Dave from uh, Fred the Butcher. Fred the Butcher is a legendary butcher in upstate <laughs> New York, one of the biggest purveyors of uh, Wagyu beef from Japan. And uh, nice. we're going to talk more about simply the meat industry and good steak, which I know you like, Joe. Um, mm-hmm. But what's your feeling on not only prices of meat that kind of like skyrocketing, but gas. I just drove out uh, to St. Louis and back, and uh, gas prices were, were just were just crazy. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, um, good point. Uh, first of all, uh, I had uh, four uh, porterhouses you know, grilling up yesterday uh, for my wife and her family, and uh, it, it definitely cost a, a small Porsche, uh, fortune for me to feed those guys this year that oversee last year, <laughs> you know, you get older and all of a sudden, you know, choice cuts aren't really cutting it any longer. And you start buying prime. The next thing you know, dinner's uh, gone from, you know, uh, $50, $60 to $200. So uh, that, that was my yesterday. Uh, and I also filled up the, my tank this morning, taking my son to school, uh, 50 bucks. And uh, so I, I, I thought, well, I, you know, uh, how did that happen? And, you know, sure enough, the, the West Texas Intermediate, the, uh, the prices moved up into the $66, um, uh, $68 a barrel. And, and that influences everything in the economy. So that's, uh, that, that's going to be interesting to see how uh, that gets handled as we go through the course of the summer. There, do, there doesn't, you know, I know that OPEC is meeting, but there doesn't seem to be any global issues there for supply. So, you know, sometimes markets drift up because they can. And um, in this case, it, it, you know, I haven't looked at, it, you know, the number of rigs that are in service or, uh, you know, those things that we sometimes look at uh, in a while. But I, I haven't seen any supply disruption. So uh, I, I, I would expect this is kind of a soft number for oil. That's $66, 68 um, meat prices, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, you listen to the um, uh, climate change uh, people and they want to eat less meat. Uh, but, you know, when I when you were driving through St. Louis, for example, or, or you know, Iowa, south of me here, um, there's no slowdown in meat production. Uh, that's, that's for sure. So uh, we are seeing it in the... Um, uh, in our area as well, we're in, I'm in Minneapolis. We're a big farm-to-table uh, kind of state, and um, we're, we're definitely paying more for for pretty much everything. What's always troubled me is when you get the um, uh, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, for example, they'll take out uh, food and energy because of the volatility. That's what I spend my money on. I know. Yeah. So they, that, that's always <laughs> bugged me for many, many years. How they anything that goes up, they take out of that inflation index. It's really yeah. it's kind of fake, you know. Kind of meaningless at times. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, what am I spending the uh, you know the heat this house and in, uh, in January? It's not cheap. Uh, you know, that's where I'm spending my money uh, is on energy and the you know the, the feed my family. Um, you know, we like we eat well and uh, we'll, we'll we'll we will spend money on food. That's that's one of the areas that we will not cut back on. And 
You know, it's I, uh, it's starting to starting to feel it. I was in uh, dinner in Lake George on Sunday night, and one of the my guests or one of my friends I was eating with, he started going through the menu and saying, "Hey, this was nine ninety five last year. It's twelve ninety five. You know, the French onion soup was seven. It's nine. Right across the board, like twenty percent in this one restaurant. And six months later, they're charging that much higher. You know, back to meat again is." Is this the demand so high for, for meat, or are the costs with raising the cattle going up? Um, and that's why the prices are coming up. Well, what do you think about that? Right. Well, commodity prices are definitely moving higher. There's no doubt uh, uh, about that across so the board. So Grain for the cattle, you're saying, and for, gas for everything. to keep the cattle, yeah. and the tractors and all that? Or? Yeah, you, you bet. All, all, all that is, is, is impactful on... You know, ultimately, the prices are. But I wonder if at, at restaurants, if they're paying their people a little bit higher uh, wages as well, because they're having a hard time, uh, you know, really getting people to uh, to come back to work at a huge problem. Yeah, huge problem for sure. And I, there was an article uh, in the um, in the paper this morning that it's a uh, the best time ever for teenagers to get jobs that uh, pay because they're having to get these kids. Like my son works at McDonald's, gets fifteen bucks an hour. He's 16, uh, <laughs> and they give him free food, and they give him, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a funny one. Prices have not gone up at McDonald's, I can say that, but uh, that's not really our jam. Uh, it, it certainly is his. And, and about $15 an hour for a 16-year-old kid, that's pretty good. Um, that's, that's a pretty good wage. So I wonder if at the restaurants, if maybe they're having to pay the people a little bit more. And, I think uh, that's I think you're exactly right on that. The, the wages are yeah. probably definitely more. Let's talk about the, the uh, sector rotation. You know, growth yeah. was the, uh, yeah, and, the, uh, the, the big winner it. last year. Now we're seeing value outperforming. How do you think that's going to roll out? How do you think that's going to continue for the rest of the year? You know, uh, I watched the Berkshire Hathaway meeting uh, because that's how boring my life is. And um, the <laughs> dreadful. Yeah. And the, the worst part is actually the Q&A section. Uh, because you have these big institutional investors, and these are just people that are, you know, um, they're, they're they're not, they don't seem like they have much fun. Uh, now, maybe you can say that about me watching them, right? But it was uh, they were having a bit of a moment here uh, recently, and they, um, they they they've earned it. And uh, I still think, you know, the um, uh, we all got a little seduced by the technology sector, right? You know, it was really humming along and if you weren't in it then you were just missing it and you know we do mostly etfs here and um you know we jumped into a few and uh and they did really really well um now some of them come down recently um as tesla's kind of fallen and uh but you know even tesla you know bounced around the volatility on some of those stocks is, is tremendous but we think that um you know overall the technology is you know, we're, in, we're entering that fourth revolution. So the technology sector is going to stay relevant to, you know, what we're doing here. And uh, uh, so we're going to we're going to stay with those stocks uh, ourselves. Um, uh, on the, the value side, I, I, you know, there's a rotation of what is value and what isn't. You know, do you want to own Coca-Cola or General Electric right now? You know, maybe, maybe not. It, it is, a, you know, one, one of those classic Buffett value plays right so we're we're going to have to define what value means in a uh, industry that has a you know inflated 
price to earnings ratios and other value indicators, right? So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how things move as we get into the summer. But I do see, you know, looking at the charts today and looking at uh, where the markets are at, feeling pretty groovy. Yeah. Kathy Woods, who was one of the uh, best-performing funds last year, her ARK Investment Fund, you know, high, high, high technology. I love that. Did very well. was the best-performing fund. Not so well this year, but she's sticking by her guns. She says this is the future. This is what's going to happen over the not, not yeah. actually the next six months, but the next five, six years. And she yeah, goes, these are the companies that. that will grow. And even though they're pulling back now, uh, she likes them. And you, you feel the same way over the long term? So we bought more of that last week. And um, it's at 110 right now. But that, their, their big component is Tesla. So uh, you want to be a little careful that you're not overweight Tesla because it can be, you know, very volatile. And uh, if you own both Mark and you own Tesla, then you're probably overweight Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, um, uh, yeah. So that, that that's one of the ones we we um, we like. And um, when uh, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was advising at some SaaS companies uh, a couple of years ago, and. And that really opened my eyes to that sector, is, uh, it, you know, uh, so the uh, uh, Shopify's of the world and um, some of the, even Oracle and, and uh, um, uh, uh, Salesforce and some of those, those are, that's the new business model, you know, having that recurring monthly income um, that we pay, you know, you, you pay Microsoft or Google for cloud storage space every month, you know, it's a, not a lot, but, you know, when you get a billion people paying you a couple bucks a month, <laughs> you're doing okay in that sector. It's a good business. That's a good business model. It is. So that's, a, that, that's what we all need to come up with, an idea that, uh, for a SaaS company, because it's, it's easier than ever to, you know, get people to plug in and, and, and buy your, uh, uh, you know, buy, buy your service uh, on a recurring basis. And from that, you can make it small. Uh, small fortune. We see it. And what we just focused on in those early companies were bootleggers mainly. And these were guys that were, uh, you know, trolling away in their basement, uh, coming up with something in the education space or, in, um, uh, you know, scheduling or some, you know, such thing to make your life a little bit easier. And um, uh, we would buy those companies or the, the, the fund I was advising, we would buy them um, pretty cheap. And uh, these guys would be, a, a, you know, a, a life-changing million-dollar payday for them. Uh, but what they're selling is a lifelong stream of revenue, right? You know, because once you, once you kind of sign on to those things, it's not too often you um, you, you sell them. You know, are you going to not store your photos on the cloud? No, yeah. you, you, you're going to. <laughs> well, we had to remember we had uh, we had the internet. Then we had cell phones. Now we have the cloud. Now we have AI, which is the you know the fourth new frontier, which is starting. Let's go back to we got one more, a little, another minute or two, Joe. But let's go back to uh, Berkshire. So what did the uh, Berkshire Hathaway? What was the what was the main uh, theme or the focus on that call? Well, I, I think the main uh, focus was on the transition to the new management team. To, to be honest with you, and uh, and we don't own any. Um, uh, Berkshire, and uh, I don't see myself really jumping out in front of it. But uh, the the main theme was on racial justice, uh, climate change. They want audits on those things uh, across the portfolio. They want to have audits on uh, uh, to see, 
you know, what the composition uh, of the workforce is and, you know, what the uh, a report on what the uh, uh, the companies are doing to uh, manage their their carbon footprint. All those, you know, big macro themes you see on the, you know, nightly news were, uh, were coming up and being put to the, uh, uh, to the management group. And, you know, the, I don't think yeah. they're that interested in those issues, to be honest. Right. They talked about I think, well, I think Buffett's view is the Milton Friedman view that if I can make you money, then I can, it, it, you know, I'm doing my part. So, uh, that's what his job <laughs> is, right? That's right. That's a job. Joe, no. thanks for being with us today on Money Nation. Great talking to you. We'll have you on again soon. Well, good. I, thank you. I enjoyed it, and uh, always good to get caught up. Definitely. Remember, listeners, any questions about your portfolio and investments at all, you can always feel free to give me a call at 518-255-8854, or you can email me at edgardner at cutterco.com. And remember, listeners, any of the old shows you'd like to go back, you can always go to YouTube. All these interviews are on YouTube. Go to YouTube. You can search Money Nation channel or Money Nation Ed Gardner, and all the shows will come up. Again, Joe, thanks for being with us today. And listeners, have a great day. And thank you for listening to Money Nation. Have a good day. Thank you.